0: So, as we get into the sermon today, I was looking online and reading some articles about things that have happened to folks, and one says that I was checking a guy… this is a, a grocery store checker. I was checking a guy's groceries out, and when I finished, he realized he forgot his wallet in the truck. It happens. No big deal. But this woman behind him was really impatient, just being extremely rude to him, very condescending the entire time. He comes back, pays for it, and leaves. Now, I'm checking this lady's groceries out. That's when she realized she forgot her debit card in her vehicle too. Goes out to get it, but can't find her keys. She locked her keys and credit card in the van. You know, things like that happen, right? (laughs) On the other hand, on the positive side, This guy writes, today my son and I went to Walmart to get a new game for his DS. We got to the cash register. I noticed the woman in front of me was upset. Her card had been declined and she was purchasing baby formula. My son is fascinated with babies, so he was talking to the woman about her little girl. He put the game down and handed her his money and said, your baby needs food more than I need plants versus zombies. And that's a tough one, because, you know, if you're into zombies, they're kind of fun. (laughs) My heart swelled at this, so I got the game anyway. Well, as we were walking out, a lady approached us and saw what he did and gave him an envelope, said, open it when you get home. When we got home, there was a $100 bill and a note that said, you deserve this young man. Now, in our culture, people like to say that this is uh, instant karma, but we don't believe in karma as Christians. We believe in a living God, because karma is an inanimate thing for those in the culture. I know what they're they're getting at is you do something wrong, you, you might get it right back, but I actually think God does this every once in a while. Uh, I've been through it a couple of times where I feel like I've, I've been taught by the Lord to be patient or other things, with, and He works on me. But I want to take you into Luke chapter 6, verse 38, and this is where we're going to focus today. It says, Give, and it will be given to you. This is Jesus speaking. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Will you pray with me, Lord God? write your word on our hearts and open this passage up in front of us, please. Holy Spirit, teach us and give glory to the Father while you do it. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's get right to the end of that where Jesus said, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And measure is from the Greek metron, which means to measure or an instrument of measuring. We get the word meter from it. If you've ever had to go read your gas meter on the side of the house, that's where the word meter comes from. And then we get things like geometry and t- trigonometry, which are just out of my pay range. Uh, I, I'm not good with those. I'm, I like calculators. I'm really glad that somebody invented a calculator for me. But we're talking about when you get to Metron, when, when it talks about being measured to you, you're talking about a vessel for measuring dry or liquid or a measuring rod. Something that Is used to measure amounts. Now, when Jesus says that with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, he's getting into a kingdom principle. You see, we're citizens of the kingdom of God, all of us. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you didn't just make a decision, you didn't just join the church, you actually entered into the kingdom of God, you became a citizen of the kingdom of God, and so. God has ways he likes things done in his kingdom, the way he wants us, you know, as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. We pray those things, right? Well, guess what? The way God likes life done, we have to do it here, even though this is not heaven, unless somebody wants to make the argument that we're living in heaven. Okay, no hands. Good. Otherwise, that would be a different discussion, different sermon. So here's the deal. There's ways that God wants us to live our lives. Examples of kingdom principles. Let me give you another example of a kingdom principle. Jesus said, Matthew 18, verse 4, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who humbles themselves and becomes like this child. Did you know that in the kingdom there's greater and and least or less? In case you thought we all get to heaven and it's some big socialistic society, it's not. There's... There's greater and there's less. Jesus warned us that there's rewards in heaven. When you show up on Judgment Day, God hands out rewards. Do you know that? Are you planning on it? Are you thinking, Lord, how do we do this? What happens on Judgment Day? If you thought, I just want to try and get through Judgment Day without like, getting ripped to shreds, then you're in my ballpark, but at the same time, I also know from reading the scriptures that God talks about the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and the least in the kingdom of heaven. Here he said what? How do you become the greatest in the kingdom? Humble yourself. Become like a child. If you ever want to act like an adult in front of God and say, I have certain demands, God. There's certain ways we're going to do things and we're going to make an agreement here. God says, oh, okay. I'm telling you. I've told you before, Isaiah 55, when it says, come, let us reason together, I say, it's not fair. You're omniscient. You know everything. You know all my stuff. When I show up to the table to have a discussion with you, to reason with you, you know me. You know my past. You know everything about me. You know more about me than I know about me. God could tell me my heart rate right now while I'm having a discussion with him, right? Right? But he loves us and he calls us into these things, but he wants you to understand, come to me like a child. We have to, and, and I'm just going to, I'm not, that's not where the sermon's going to go. I want you to think about that just for a moment though. Gee, I have to humble myself and become like a child in front of the living God. He also says this, Matthew nine thirteen. but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners." To understand how the kingdom works, you're going to have to study this. What does it mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice? If you're sitting there going, well, I don't know. Hey, that was the point. That's what Jesus wanted. He wanted you to have to go, what does that mean? Holy Spirit, what does that mean, that you desire mercy, not sacrifice? Then he sets you on this whole lifetime thing where you have to start learning it. What does it mean that God desires mercy, not sacrifice? Surely, he was talking to the Pharisees, but the message is also for us. Do we get it? We can sacrifice all kinds of things. God, I sacrifice things for you. God's going, great. But here's what I really want from you. I want mercy. I want you to be a person of mercy, which leads us back into the full context of this verse I'm preaching from. I want to take you back to the full context. Luke chapter 6, and you won't see it on the boards. Luke chapter 6, 27 through 37. Jesus says, but to you who are listening, I say, and by the way, a whole lot of the people sitting there were were his disciples, his learners. But to you, you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn them the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give, give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. All right, Jesus, that was quite a list. I mean, if I was saying, I would probably raising my hand two or three times at this point. Uh, can we clarify things here right now? Because this is pretty tough what you just talked about. I mean, do, do you understand what, what you're saying here? Of course he does. Of course Jesus understands everything he's talking about. Did you hear the items that God wants us to give? Love to our enemies, mercy, forgiveness. Let's go through these. Love your enemies. Okay, God. That one's a tough one. But in Romans 5:10 it says, "For if while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have we been reconciled having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life?" Who knows this more than Paul that while we were yet enemies, God died for us. God did what he had to do for us. Think about Paul, okay? We always love Paul. We, I think for most Christians I talk to, probably their favorite apostle. But think about before he was saved, what was he doing? He was hunting the church. Trying to kill it. He's the one who leads the group that stones Stephen to death, the deacon. So does Paul understand when he writes by the Spirit of God? For if while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. While we were yet enemies, God reconciled us to himself. Every single person before they gave their life to Jesus Christ was an enemy with God. We were at enmity with him. The world is at enmity with him. That's just why he's not surprised about how the world functions. Think about what he said. I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. That one is a whole other sermon. And by the way, it preaches. It's, it's really good. But, and it's not because I'm good. I'm telling you, it's a deep, deep verse, especially with where things seem to be headed. Feels like we're headed back to Rome. And it's in this, con- in the Roman context, all of this is written. That's what Jesus is talking about. But Paul knew about receiving God's love while he was yet God's enemy. It's like what Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. By the way, when you read Jesus' words of you you know In other words, on the measure, it, it may have some application right here, right now. It could have application this week. But a whole lot of the application has to do with when we appear before God. What's it going to be like when God reviews us, takes us through our lives? But there can also be blessing now. There can be ways that people react. But are you ready for when people insult you to love them back? Peter said, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. That is really hard. I had a really good friend, still a good friend, Bob Malgeron. And I probably told some of you about Bob. Bob ran the gospel rescue mission in South Stockton back in California. He was also a police chaplain. And what I may have shared with some of you is this. Bob... Where Bob worked, where he did his work in ministry, was a really hard area. Gang, neighborhoods, I mean, you don't just whistle while you walk down the street. You you keep your eyes open where you're going and what's going on around you. You want to make sure you don't disrespect someone and and have somebody attack you. And so he's working out in the yard of the Gospel Rescue Mission, and he said this lady comes walking down the street— and comes right up to him. Now she's decked out in gang gear. She's got her colors on, her bandana on, the works. I think she was either an Orteño or Serenio. She comes right up to Bob, gets right in his face, and begins to just yell at him. Ah! You know, like just going off, constantly at him. And Bob, the whole time, standing there thinking, I'm either about to get stabbed or shot. I mean, this lady is really mad. And after a while, she quits and she walks away. She does this a couple more times. I think like once a week. She just shows up. Again, full gang, colors, everything. Uh, he said it's kind of like a grandma, and she's just yelling at him. And then would walk away, and Bob was alone with the Lord. He was like, God, what in the world is going on? And in his heart, what he feels the Holy Spirit tells him is, you are the only person in this neighborhood she can do that to. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You will bless her when she insults you. And he realized, she does it to anybody else, she's in the ER room. In that neighborhood, there was no forgiveness. But Bob, being a follower of Jesus Christ and a minister in the area, he finally realizes and goes, all right, Lord, if she needs to come yell at me, she's probably going through really hard times. And she needs somebody to take it out on. If, if it's me, if this is what you call me to, I'm good. She can insult me, I'll bless her back. And that's what he would do. When she'd walk away, he'd begin praying for her. Lord, would you please bless her? Would you please change her life? Would you please take care of her? He took passages like this extremely seriously. This is hard. I mean, we can get to the point where sometimes we feel just dry of love, like there's not another drop. It's kind of like the bartender in this bar. And he had this challenge. When he would make a drink, he would squeeze a, a lemon peel and get it down so that he got every last drop out. And so he had this challenge that if when he got done with a, a strip of lemon, if anyone else could get one more drop out of it, he'd give them $1,000. And guy after guy keeps trying. They keep coming and, and trying. They can't get another drop. Well, there's this older gentleman that, that's been watching for a while, and he he, he, thinks, he looks up and goes, hey, I'll give that a shot. And he gets up, and he gets that lemon peel, and he squeeze and twists it. And then he twists it a little bit more. And he twists it a little bit more. And he twists it a little bit more. And finally, a drop of lemon juice comes out. And the bartender's like, no way. And he hands it, you did it. Here's your $1,000. The guy walks out of the bar and the bartender looks at some folks and says, I don't get it. How in the world did he get one more drop out of my lemon peel? And they go, oh, he's retired, but he used to work for the IRS. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) so yeah you might feel like you don't have a drop left in you but somebody can get that drop out sorry (laughs) i love that one when i heard it i just i had to drop it on you i thought you'd like it so can we get another drop of love out yes number two mercy with god this is receiving something i didn't deserve right? Nobody deserves God's mercy. There's nothing you can do to earn God's mercy. You can't be good enough. It's just like his love. You can't do anything good enough to get God's love. You want to know why? One, he already loves you. And his love is thicker than our love and it's, it's unbounding. I mean, it is just amazing. And as you know from the scriptures, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There is no demon in the spiritual realm that can take God's love away from you. And if one of them's convinced you of that, you need to say you're a liar, get out of my life, go away from me. Uh, God loves me and that's all there is to it. But his mercy is getting something from God that you can't earn to receive help in my affliction, for God to have pity on me. I can't earn God's pity. I don't deserve for God to do anything for me through his mercy. Everything God has done for me, he has done for me through his mercy everything, everything God has done for me, he's done in his mercy for me. Then he wants me to take this mercy, this wonderfulness, this love, and this forgiveness, and his life, and he wants me to pass it out in mercy, to give it to people who don't deserve it. To go and say, God loves you. By the way, God does love you. But to to hand out his love, to hand out everything. But not because anyone earns mercy from me. I have to be merciful to people. I need to give compassion to people. Have you noticed in the scriptures how many times Jesus heals people out of compassion? There's a couple of times. you can go, There's a whole crowds that he'll go heal because he's moved with mercy and compassion for them. And I think one of the things, when people kind of, it's been hitting me lately. When people say, wouldn't it be great if we saw more healing in this church? And I think... Lord, is there a connection between the amount of mercy and compassion we have for people and the amount of healing you'll pour through our hearts and in our prayers for them? Not just praying because, wow, wouldn't it be really cool if God healed someone? Which is really cool, by the way. I'm all in. I love to see God use his power. But what if God's saying, ask me for compassion. Let me move your hearts. That when you see someone, your heart begins to break for them. When it talks about Jesus having compassion on the crowds, it's because he's being moved in his hearts for them, in his heart for them. Maybe we should ask God for this. God, give us more compassion for Virginia Beach. Lord, give me more compassion for them when I'm driving behind them and they're doing something really weird in their car. But just give me compassion for this, this place. Give me compassion for the people I meet on the street or in the grocery store, right? You see, this is really important though that we get the, the mercy aspect too. That he wants me to take his mercy that he gave me and to give it to others. In the Beatitudes it says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. I mean, the pure in heart get to see God. The merciful get to have mercy. By the way, if you've ever taken the Beatitudes and broken it down go, I guess I'm the mercy person. No, no, no. They all apply to all of us, okay? You don't get to pick and choose which Beatitudes you like. And God, God's giving you a promise through his son If you will extend mercy, you will experience mercy. You hand it out, God gives you more. By the way, you can't run out of mercy because the more you hand out, like it says here, blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy. The more you hand out, the more you get. God doesn't want you just to be a repository of mercy. He wants you to be a pipeline. Lord, you gave me mercy. I want to give out more mercy. I want to give out more compassion. I want to give more to people. And he's like, all right, now we're cooking. Next is forgiveness. Be careful with forgiveness. God measures us on how we measure. We love to receive forgiveness, but it is hard to give. As I've shared with you before, the reason why forgiveness sometimes is hard to give is because forgiveness always comes with a cost. It's never free actually. When somebody has done something to you, they've insulted you, and you have to extend love and forgiveness to them, it means you have to let go. You can't hold it against them and go, oh, there's that dirty rat. I really don't like that person. God, say, you will let go, you will forgive. And as, as I've taught on forgiveness before, in case you ever want to look at God and say, why do I have to give forgiveness? You know, it comes with a cost, God, and God goes, tell me about it. <laughs> it was a really rough day on a cross when I handed out forgiveness. And even then, what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, the reason why I say be careful with this one is because in the Lord's Prayer, how many of you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Right? right? Let's do it together. Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Stop, wait a minute. Did you hear what you just prayed? You just said, forgive us our debt as we have forgiven others, or as we forgive. Do you know what you just said to God? You said, God, I want you to watch how I forgive people and I want you to forgive me the way I have been forgiving other people. So how many decades have you been praying that to God and you're going, man, this is really rough around here. And God's going, yep, every single time you said the Lord's Prayer, you asked me to forgive you the way you forgive people. That's what you've been asking for all along. That is one deep prayer, people. I'm telling you, it's a scary prayer. It's a wonderful prayer, and it's scary all at the same time. It's kind of like in, in The line the Witch, in the Wardrobe about Aslan. He's good, but he's not safe. You know, it's just one of those things where you get around God, and you go, God, wait. You mean all this time I've been saying that I'm asking you to forgive me the way I forgive people might change our attitude on forgiveness, right? All right, now I want to give it out freely because I want your forgiveness. I want you to forgive me all the time, every day, every way. In fact, probably about 100 times a day. As I've shared with folks, you know, one of the things that hits me is, I mean, I come before God and ask His forgiveness for things I know I did. How many things did I I do yesterday or this morning that were a sin against God and I don't even know it? And He's extended forgiveness to me. Because I just blankly said, God, would you forgive me for my sins? I'm sorry. And He goes, All right, I can cover all this. How many cultural sins have I committed before you, living God? Again, going back, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is before the throne, and he gets hit with the holiness of God. He goes, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips, from a people of unclean lips. He didn't know that before then. And we don't know what he was doing. Is it was the culture that lying's okay or cussing's okay? Or is it, is it okay to use, use slander or sarcasm? Or what was it? We don't know what he's confessing. All we know is he says, God, oh my goodness. I have unclean lips. And I come from a people. of un- He recognizes he's part of a culture. And so there's times I said, I go, God, what am I doing that I don't even recognize? Because of where I live and it's just an accepted way of doing things. You know what? God has forgiveness for that too. That's the beauty of it. Watch how I forgive people and then forgive me like that. God is awesome. So in application, God is constantly measuring us, just so you know. I'm going to take you back to that verse, the, the very first one we, we went into, where Jesus said, it's at the end of that passage, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So God's constantly measuring us. I mean, not just the finger on the wall, remember back in Daniel? Finger on the wall, many, many, tekel, oof, arson, right? It's, uh, it's numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. What did he just say? I, I measured you. Found you wanting. Kingdom's over. That's what God did in that situation. Likewise with us. You know, think about it. When, when Jesus is talking to... His disciples, and every once in a while you'll see him say, Oh, you have little faith. It's actually about a measurement, it's about amounts. And he looks at it and says, Oh, you of little faith. He's measuring them. See, I, th- there's different ways we can measure, right? There's measuring spoons. This one does anything from a te- teaspoon to a tablespoon, right? I came with props. <laughs> Craftsman measuring. Jonathan, come here, we're, we're going to measure, you can stay there. <laughs> but you know what? Just think about it. God is working with me all the time going, all right, Tom, how much faith do you have? Let's just measure that one out. I'm hoping he's going, oh, this is good, Tom. Like, that was a good moment. Yeah, right? Yeah, I, hopefully, uh, anyway, good thing these things go back the way they were. I'm not good at folding maps either. Good thing we live in a day of Google Maps, right? You don't even have to fold them out. But God does this with us. But here's the thing. God brings us to a place of decision. That's what this passage is about. When God deals with you, do you want much or little? How do you want him to give it to you? And again, we're dealing with love, mercy, and forgiveness. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. When you read this passage, this isn't about tithing. You can apply it to tithing, fine. This isn't a tithing sermon. This is about love, mercy, forgiveness. He said, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So, you have to decide. I got one more prop. When, when you're giving mercy or forgiveness to people, and he says, Press down, which one do you want them to use? <laughs> God, I have to forgive this person, so I'm going to scoop into the forgiveness here. Oh. All right, here we go. Or do, you want to, or do you want to say, God, I am willing to forgive? I'll give it in bucket loads. And God's saying, if you will do that, I will will give to you. And what I love is this passage. He says, this is good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. How many of you cook and you work with flour or some other ingredient where you need plenty and you've got to get plenty? I'm talking about before sifting. So you want to press down. You want as much as you can get. Do you want God to fill these up and hand them to you? That's what Jesus is getting at. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. Brothers and sisters, God loves to give you abundance. That's what I hope you get from the sermon. Don't look at it and go, oh boy, okay. If you've been feeling like you're weak in mercy and in love and forgiveness, ask him for it. God, I've been struggling to forgive someone. Put forgiveness in my heart. God, I need mercy for people. Put mercy in my heart. Make it overflowing so that when I appear before you, I will receive pressed down, shaken together, running over. And I want it here on this planet too. Brothers and sisters, this is what God has for you. This kingdom parable, this kingdom principle, how you measure, it will be measured back to you. That's what I want you to walk out the door with today. When it comes to love, forgiveness, loving your enemies, forgiveness, mercy. How you measure it out, it will be measured back to you. Not by me, but by the living God. And the other thing I want you to walk out the door with is, he wants to pour it all over you. He wants to give you abundance. That's his heart. He's not skimpy on giving you love. He doesn't wince. He loves you. He loves you fully. He also loves your enemies. And by the way, when you're dealing with the enemies, just consider them (laughs) pre-Christians. What kind of love are you going to pour on that future brother or sister in Christ? Let's pray. Father God, this is a very scary passage. Lord Jesus, you said that the measure I give, you will measure it back to me. When I love, Lord God, you'll measure what I gave and you'll give it back to me. When I give mercy, you'll measure it and give it back to me. When I I forgive, you'll measure it and you'll give it back to me. Lord God, will you teach me to give in abundance? I want to receive in abundance. Will you fill my heart with mercy? Will you fill my heart with forgiveness? And will you fill my heart with love for my enemies? That I will bless them. That I will encourage them. And it's really hard, God. So by the power of your spirit, will you do this to me? And I ask your blessing upon my brothers and my sisters. That, Lord God, that this fellowship, this church, when people get around it, they will get filled, Lord God. They'll get around us. They'll go, wow, those are the most merciful, forgiving, loving people I've ever been around. They just exude. It just pours out of them this love and this forgiveness and this mercy that will be known for it. Lord God, you're awesome. We thank you for the ways that you love us and give us mercy and give us forgiveness. We love you.